All right, Maria, got your markers. All right, just remind people or for people who weren't here, we're just having an open discussion about refereeing. Uh, we'll try and keep it to a shorter amount of time so we still get through everything we need to get through. Um, but hopefully we'll come to a natural end. So with referee, Maria, did you have a specific thing in mind? Um, I just, my issue, and kind of correct me if I'm wrong. I know that people are just kind of, once they've been in the club and been playing, it's kind of like, well, you know the rules now, so... <laughs> Jump like jump in. It's like no, I don't. I don't know the rules. That's fine. Help. <laughs> and it's like that. That isn't super great. And result and results in people being like, yeah, okay, I've been at the club for this long, and I need to be an AR or I need to whatever, but not being a hundred percent on kind of. Well, that is, and I know that steps have been taken, like, with having to do the AR tests and all of that stuff, but it's still, like, the practical experience of actually having to ref a game, um, and especially when you're looking at moving from AR to head ref, there's no, like, yeah, okay, in theory, you know how to, you know all the rules and you've passed the head ref test, but there's a very big difference between being able to pass that and actually being a good independent head ref on a pitch. All right, that was a good intro. Let's discuss with everyone else. If I start, I'll keep going. You guys go first. One thing that I'm trialing, um, hoping to trial with QNSW, if I get onto the board, is a like you vote for MVPs at the end of a game, like we did at Quaffle, um, but is to um, you have to because it was a referee feedback form, but nobody ever used it, um, and that was like not a single person put anything in in like 2018 or 2019. And so I'm making it mandatory, hoping to make it mandatory that you have to be like this was good refing, this was all right refing, this was like average, or this was like really crap, and we do not want this ref again. But you have to provide a reason, and you have to provide like a, I didn't like, like they don't know the rules or whatever. And this is not to punish bad refs or to punish new refs, but it's to ensure that um, good referees are able to be placed on the games that are like the most competitive or the most likely to be rough um, or dangerous. Because I know we had a problem last year with the Usid versus Serpents game where Logan was busy and the Serpents, I know, playing in your own grand final. <laughs> No, you were playing, you were playing your own grand final and we were like. <laughs> um, um, and so, and then Serpents were like, well, we won't accept Harry Jones. And we're like, well, we won't accept whoever you pick. And then there was, we were like, there's nobody left. Um, and so finally we compromised and they were like, all right, we'll let you have Harry Jones, even though he cards us all the time. Um, and so there was, there was an issue where, um, people were like, oh, we don't like that referee and we don't want them in this game. Or um, QNSW were like, well, the only referee we have is an inexperienced person from Div 2. And we're like, well, this is a high stakes game between two top teams who are physically going to hurt each other. Can we have someone more experienced? Um, and so I think to address that, 
having a way to um, to offer advice or feedback for the referees so that they can improve and also to establish like, to work out across the board where are the areas that most refs struggle with um, that hopefully then teams can address themselves. That's just something that is in the works for New, New South Wales. I think that's a great idea. It could also be really interesting to have like an MVP ref, most valuable ref, MVR, MVR. <laughs> just to like recognise it. Same as like the snitching thing with Demo. Like we, kind of, we, kind of, we kind of do in that we like technically vote for like, I think it's like, no, it's the contribu- like best contribution to, to refereeing as a team. Yeah. But yeah, and yeah, but the thing the thing is then yeah, it becomes like well, you just have more experienced refs who have been around for the long like for a really long time. You could be a newbie, MVR. A new rookie, rookie ref. Rookie ref. How cute would that be? Oh, wholesome way to get people involved. Sorry, do you have something to say? Well, I think that. I think establishing and like an MVR or something is still just going to go to the same people, or it's going to reward people who are already good. And I think the problem is, in we have quite a few people. We have a couple of people who are really good at it, and then we have this huge gap, and we have a whole bunch of people who are really crap at it and just have to do it all the time because they're the only one in the team who is the most qualified, or or they um, want to give it a go but they don't have any practice. And I think that's a bigger problem to solve. How do we lift the general? Like, how do we lift the people who are the worst rather than how do we elevate the people who are already the best? Um, I have a stupid idea on this. Sorry for interrupting. Please, Um, no, go. What if you put a cap on how many times a referee could referee? Like, you could say, Logan can only referee two games this tournament. You'd run out of refs. I mean, but people will be forced to step up. Yeah. I can't hear you, Logan. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying. So, like, I mean, it, especially like NQLs or whatever else it might be, we, you're very much limited by just like the the organization of, of things. Like, I am available to referee any slot that I'm not playing in, or as long as it's not like straight after my game. But like, that leads me to ref like two games a day. Like, that's just maybe I'd referee three games a day. Personally, like that would be a big day of refereeing. Like most people will naturally ref max those that many games, at least in New South Wales, potentially different in Vic because there's just like you only play one game. Yeah, the, the, the numbers are different. Um, yeah. But I would think that there's like all the games are played back-to-back in Victoria, right? So you shouldn't be allocating someone to ref and then play or play and then ref. And so then again, you're still going to like naturally limit that. And like, you, like that kind of falls on volunte- uh, on like the organizers that they shouldn't be over allocating people like regardless of skill you just shouldn't like abuse people's volunteering kind of thing yeah um a great thing that macarthur fantasy for instance had was shadow refing so they had a very some very experienced head refs on pitch with the person supporting them um and i know that i think i talked to vqa about it and they would have the experienced ref on the sideline watching the whole game while the newbie was out in the field and they'd give them feedback afterwards. Now, I personally 
if I'm trying to be in UHR, I really like the MacArthur fantasy version. Um, but there are different like models of shadow HR that the different main states have used. Um, and I think formalizing the structure of that and like, like talking to the state boards and being like, please do this at every single tournament and make sure this happens and setting like immeasurable goals of like, we want to see 15 new um, head refs coming through the ranks this year or something. It'd be really good. Who's Well, I think that um, I like that QA is like you, each team has to provide a head referee. I think that's really important. But if QA was able to say you need to provide a head referee who has refereed a game at some point in the last 12 months and you tell people that at the beginning of the year, you're like, work out now who your head referee is going to be and force them to referee some like an actually HR game to prove that they've done it. Um, but even ideally, like you have to have like – if you were a big team, you have to have two or three different people HR during the year, but coordinate with QNSW so that they're head, like head refing low stakes games that are not going to be too like messy. Um, just kind of really quickly, but yeah, between that, what I found, especially moving from Div 1 to Div 2 though, like there was, and like this is a very specific example, but there was a game between um, Hills and the Weasleys, which turned really rough because everyone was like, it's a Div 2 game. This is fine. We can put a relatively inexperienced group of ARs on and a relatively inexperienced head ref. And it got really physical and it got potentially dangerous for players. And that's like, it comes around to like, yeah, okay, we, we sure, it's not in comparison to like, Serpent Manticores, obviously, but it, considering like blanketing being like, it's okay to have an inexperience or even like we know that they're not great head ref because we have had issues in the past. Be allocated on the balance of the game. Yeah. On the, on the level. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. But like it, it's like it and that, yeah, that's the thing. Putting, putting on like a, yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, on what Courtney said, I think the first game I HR'd, I had Matt behind me and then I hadn't had ref for a while. And when I had ref, I asked Logan, who was there, to just sit in the shade and look at me. And I think, like... I did nothing about your ref. I just looked at you the whole time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> but um, I think having both, because obviously I had Nat, and Nat was ready to interrupt the game if I missed something dangerous. But then... I had the experience of being there by myself and having to do that. So it was good to have both. I think I wanted to say, and actually I want to ask for anyone who's been involved uh, in managing the um, referee certifications before Quaffle, how are teams responding to that? And another question generally is, do you have games at trainings that people can referee? Any of that? 
you need to have trainings yeah. and then you need to have enough people <laughs> i know but like I reckon this is a okay you're not talking into a microphone so you don't count in the moment but like opportunities to ref in a no stakes game is just a training is important which is why I was very keen to be able to ref the drop bears during the strategic forum but unfortunately that didn't happen um oh. So just for team response in the feedback, for, I've got the microphone. Um, for team feedback, we asked about refereeing and all that sort of thing. Most teams seem to be fine with it, like fine with the fact they had to provide a referee. They mostly complain about other teams having to provide referees because not all referees are up to the same standard and they're like, oh, we don't want to be ref by a shit ref. Um, so I think it's just sort of making... Yeah, yeah. So I think everyone's like, oh, we're happy to supply a ref, but we're not happy for crap teams to supply crap refs. That's where my general feelings are on, at. On that point, maybe we should um, encourage teams to say, hey, look, if you're not content with the quality of other referees, you should help out and improve them. Don't just stick to yourself. Don't like how you don't. Run, join the QA board. Like if you don't like how QNSW is run, join QNSW. If you don't like how your team's being coached, coach. Not even, not like that. Not like that. More of a grassroots aspect. So you're saying like get teams with good refs to mentor teams with less experienced refs. Is that what you're saying? Something to that line, to that, that effect. Yeah. yeah um, um, just, in terms, just in terms of the QA stuff. Um, we are working on a better system of ref certification and snitch certification and all that stuff. I'm going to let Logan talk about it because it's kind of his mind baby. Um, but we definitely, the current system is not conducive to good refing. Like it is not hard for your team rep to take the HR test for you on your behalf. You might not know the rules. Also, yeah, and... Um, also, it's not it's not applicable like real time game experience. Like sitting in front of a laptop with the rule book on your other uh, on someone else's lap and the three other people helping you answer a multiple choice question that you can go back to in twenty four hours. It's it, that's not real time experience. And I think that Logan's he'll he'll talk about it, but that will be a better appl application of getting ref certified. Sometimes they have that. <laughs> so I just wanted to say a lot of people think they know the rules and they don't, which irks me to no end. I'm sorry. And then there's people who know the rules in 2016 and then we've had two rule book changes since then and they've never relearned the rules. Just knowing the rules doesn't really make you a good ref. You can know like half the rules and be a better ref than people who know all the rules to the letter. It's all about game flow and game interpretation and things like that, which is sort of what Kelsey was, was talking about before. Um, I had many other points, but um, so like at the start, so we talked about like um, the idea of giving feedback um, like straight after games and stuff like, or like on the match card, I think it's like stuff that people have talked about in the past. And I agree that like lots of feedback is really important, especially because that it actually gives you an opportunity to realize, Oh, that is something that I need to improve. The only thing that I worry about is like when it comes from teams that potentially probably needs to be filtered before it does get to the referees. Cause there's obviously this thing of like, exact. Yeah. It's, it's, 
Exa- yeah, people are like, oh, well, they didn't call that beat, which was like actually 50-50, but like was clearly beat and that's why we lost. Or they just don't like the person or they don't get along with their style of refereeing and things like that. So definitely needs to be filtered in that regard. And also then the idea of like, again, what you're talking about of people saying like, oh, well, we don't want such and such to referee our game. Oh, well, in that case, we don't want such and such to referee our game. I think that needs to be entirely removed from the practice of refereeing. Whoever's in charge of allocating referees has to say, too bad, so sad, this person is refereeing you. And if they're back to referee that game, then no matter what the the um, the team say, then it shouldn't be a thing. And sometimes people will be like, oh, but they dated someone on our team and they broke up or whatever, right? Like, if you are qualified as a referee, then you are qualified to referee any game. You should... Bias should not be an issue in the slightest. Like, if you, if you can't be unbiased in every single game you do, then you shouldn't be a referee, hands down. Um, the other thing was like ref recognition of like most valuable ref or something, which again, I think kind of has the issue of like, oh, well, like we won, so we like that ref or like we lost, so we don't like that ref or something. But like, I, I definitely agree. And I've been talking to some of the people about the idea of like recognition of referees. And one of the things that I thought about as well is like um, in soccer, like at the FIFA World Cup, when they do like the presentation in the grand final, they'll pre- present medals and stuff to the referees as well. And actually making it clear that like it is an accomplishment to have been selected for a high stakes game as a referee on top of just like your team qualifying as well. Like there is actually um, a ladder to climb as a referee to do that. Um, And I think, again, like you made a good point of like, you don't want to just reward the top referees. So you potentially need to, you know, it might be like in, in the New South Wales um, example, you know, having two divisions, maybe the division two grand final doesn't have the, you know, the top, team of refs but you maybe put like an emerging good ref on that and then you like give them that reward as something as well or just looking at lots of other ways that yeah uh, recognizing referees achievements I think just overall is a really good point um yeah if you have a system where you rate referees after every game there should be an ability to be like well you went from an average of like two out of five and you ended the year with four out of five or five out of five and so you get most improved I think the the other thing with that is, yeah, overall, I think the giving feedback and giving like ratings and things like that should be moved to being like a third party as much as possible. Um, and obviously this has like so many issues of you then have to get like extra, extra people to be like assessors on games and things like that. But um, so I've been working with Kelsey recently in developing um, a field testing rubric. And basically the idea that I want to go towards and hopefully QA agrees with me is um, the like theoretical certification for head referees is should be more training rather than testing. Um, so we did um, two years ago or one year ago, um, like a, you just had to do like a Google quiz to be certified as like a QA head referee. And you got like unlimited tries like once every 24 hours and everything like that. 100%. Exactly. You had to get a hundred percent. So the idea was it's, wrong. <laughs> it was horrible, but you eventually figure out what that one wrong one is. And so we, like, we gave, one. <laughs> <laughs> most people <laughs> figure it out and like we gave like hints so when you got your results back it was like go and read section 7.3.9 or whatever and then you can learn that thing um and it's similar to like when i learned to referee in soccer you go for like a day workshop i don't think that's necessarily feasible in quidditch given like the geographical spread but 
like you did a test at the end of the day, but I think if you failed the test, you could just redo it straight afterwards anyway. And they just like chatted to you and you did it again. But it was more about like, let's actually teach you and show you ways that you can be better rather than like, Oh, do you know the rules perfectly or not? Yes or no. And then again, we've talked about like knowing the rules doesn't make you a good referee. Whereas the field test rubric that um, we're going to develop hopefully um, is looking at partially like, you know, foul recognition and correct calls and stuff. But on top of that, looking at, uh, game control and like understanding the flow of the match and how you do that. And like sort of communication and like leadership controlling the game and that sort of thing. Um, I know I probably have other points, but I'm going to stop talking to my friend. I'll also just say, we'll take about another five minutes just so we can get going. Um, just on the experience in the shadow, shadow refing and all that stuff. I think that what MacArthur does is really good. And I think that we need to encourage all fantasy tournaments and potentially even like NQLs and whatever the other state equivalents are to have that option for HRs so that they've got a more experienced ref that can sort of help them learn as they go. And also if we're going to bring back quid camp or something similar, um, have a refereeing section in that um, post-2018. So I've never been to a quid camp, so I don't really know what, what used to happen. Um also, Nat, last year went did did like a live stream going through the rule book thing. A webinar? A webinar? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think that that really helped a lot of people because they're not going to sit down and read 173 pages of rules to see where the differences are. But people that are passionate about it might have. Logan probably did. Nat obviously did. So, like having options like that, possibly exploring more of that kind of thing. Um, and going through other skills, in-game skills, could possibly be an option too. Um, definitely agree with like all tournaments and fantasies utilizing the shadow structure. Um, even if we do support HRs, ARs are still like it's awful. Beaters always complain. When I beat, I realize how shit it is to be a beater for multiple reasons. One of them being ARing. Um, yeah, there's so much running involved and there's so little reward. Um, yeah. Anyways, but like, um, so having shadow ARs, which you sometimes do at the very beginning, but even trying to get that, especially at the very beginning of the tournament and like really um, drilling it in and making sure everyone has experience. Like we've got the thing of have one HR from every team before Quaffle, but really you should have like everyone in the whole team should pretty much have referee experience and should be trained up from the get-go or like within after their first year, they should be trained up. Um, second point, I think it'd be really cool if we had like an experienced HRs group created like nationally, they decide on the interpretation of rules because there's always like different interpretations and see if we can like come to a consensus, consensus decision-making AJ, good time. And um, then we make like really, bright, beautiful infographics that communicate those ideas concisely to the rest of the community. So people ha don't have to read the rule book because they're not going to, but instead of everyone complaining that no one knows the rules and everyone plays illegally and unsafely, it's like an easy, accessible um, way to learn what the rules actually are. I kind of find that the issue with that is that the way that some of the rules are phrased, it is just kind of up to your call where it's like what is a reasonable attempt at removing yourself from the situation what is a reasonable attempt to reduce contact what is a reasonable attempt at stopping 
most experienced HR should come together and try and make a decision because they're the experts in our community. You can create examples, you can find what yeah. you can, you can yeah. rules of thumb and things like that. Yeah. At the end of the day, you do. Um, oh geez what was i saying oh no um yeah yeah it's like really some but yeah like this is the thing of like i hate with a passion the iidp rule test because to me it makes no sense that you can answer like what is the maximum in a diameter of the hoop and then that makes you a good head referee um so like it's it's all about um being able to be flexible with the rules and so like as my, like I, I definitely agree there are some things that do need interpretation and there actually does exist like an international group to that effect. So there's a, a group called uh, Quidditch Rules and Regulations um, and it's a terrible place. Um, it but, terrible. but it's, I mean, which is kind of why I would not want to push for the same group in Australia, although it's potentially better with like more experienced referees. It's not just everyone yelling their opinions. Um, but like that still needs to be sort of um, considered um, but yeah, I think it's, it, it's very much more into like this. I think we need to focus less on like, I, I think the rule interpretations are important, but also we need to focus on making people confident in the other like side skills of like commu communication, game control, things like that. Cause those are actually what make you seem like a good ref as opposed to rules. Uh, just on to reply to Maria's skill. I think that also those interpretations, you can't make, a blanket judgment for all of those because once I read a 73 common thread about what is a reasonable attempt opposite players and I'm like what but like that's that's what I think Logan refers to when we talk about the flow of the game and how the game is going if someone or like judge what is a poor throw by yeah you can finish your point. I won't forget what I want. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just I I feel like because there is that kind of room room for interpretation in that other people kind of say um, that they'll get if a head ref who maybe or an AR who they do have a history with or have had issues with in the past, they they feel that they will be unfairly judged in those situations where it is kind of a 50-50 call and they have to figure it out. Um, really quickly, the other thing I want to say is um, kind of we have been really focusing on head refs, but I feel like a lot of the problems that people have is with ARs. And um, it's all well and good to have really experienced head refs and that's great because that can, that can level out the game a little bit and control it. But ultimately the head ref has one set of eyes and they have four head uh, ARs ideally because they can't be watching everything at once. Um, and having really strong confident ARs who can focus on just what is in front of them and what they need to deal with will mean that the load on each of those ARs is reduced because they aren't having to watch across the pitch because they know that the other AR on the other side is comfortable and confident doing their thing on the other side. All right, we'll have Kelsey and then we'll have to wrap up, unfortunately. Sorry. Damn. Um, so currently the QA gameplay policy is that 
um, there needs to be three ARs and I want to change that to a minimum of four so that there's one AR per quadrant. We haven't talked about it as a board yet. Um, at state, um, I was ref, a snitch ref for almost every game. Um, Logan was head ref for almost every game. At the start of every game, he was very um, precise on what he expected from his ref team. I think that's something we need to develop in our H- HRs as well. HRs need to be confident enough to go, right, you're my team. This is what I expect of you and you need to perform at this level so that I can do my job properly. Little known fact, a lot of ARs get really distracted in call play because 80% of Quidditch players are call players first. So... You know, they're, they're getting distracted by the quaffle. They're, their main job is to watch Bludger play and the HR's job is to watch quaffle play. And I think that that needs to be reiterated at the start of every game. Whether you're a really good AR, you've been doing it for seven years or if you have only just started, that is like back to basics. You're an AR, you're watching the beaters. You need to talk to your other ARs like... You know, if you're watching the yellow bludger, you're yelling, I've got yellow. And then you're the person that's next to you knows that they need to then get the blue or the red or the purple or whatever colour they're looking at. So it's it's about communication of what the minimum expectation of the HR is of of um, their ref team. And that does come sliding, coming to the current rubric that we're developing and hopefully we're going to change the channel. Yeah. But also then I would add, like Susan, I promise. Um, but um, like I think that's why we need to develop head referees first. Like we do talk about like the need to develop ARs as well, which I think is definitely super important. And like in the longer term going towards like having these same like training uh, modules or whatever for ARs, I think is also really important, but having a really strong head ref can help you kind of overcome having less strong ARs. If you have like this communication between them and you make it very clear on what their job is. Like everyone has eyes and everyone can see a ball hit someone. And worst case, you don't know an interpretation of the rule. Like as as exactly exactly right. As long as we're as long as like the ARs are confident in communicating with the head ref, they chuck their hand up. They go, "This happened. I saw it because I have the ability of sight." And then the head ref is like, "Yeah, no worries. That's fine. Let's just go. Brooms down is done in like two seconds, and it's fine." Um, training ARs. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly right. So I think that's why like. While ARs are important, like stressing on headrests to begin with now, while I mean, getting that up to standard and letting the ARs come with it. Is your point going to be super quick? Can I make one really quick point? Yeah, going, 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 Grim. Can we teach ARs to shout and yell with their stomach, right? Like we need some kind of vocalization training. I, I think that really will help rookie ARs. I've never met somebody quitted who can't yell loud enough to be heard everywhere. So oh, but you'd be surprised. It's, it, it's more a confidence issue. It's a confidence issue, issue and not a... Yeah, it's, which is my point. And again, it's communication with your, the rest of your ref team that if you feel secure in, in your ref team... You'll actually yell. Yeah, you'll be like, my head rest got my back, my other ARs got my back. If I say something, everyone's going to back me up and I can be confident to express myself. All right. All right. I kind of have a different view on that one. Mine's backwards. I think giving them the tools then gives them the confidence, not like confidence, then tools. But that's just my perception on it. Like if you can't shout loud enough to begin with and then no one listens to you and then you're like, oh, well, they're not going to listen, so why bother being a good AR? Bingo. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyways, um, different point entirely, and I'll try not to make this too long. So um, at some fantasy tournament, AJ and I co-HR'd. 
And I think that's interesting because both of us were really inexperienced and others wanted to do it alone, but we were experienced enough as players that no one would be a buddy with us. So we buddied up with each other. We're like, we're going to be each other's confidence machines. Um, and it gave us like the opportunity to like discuss it with each other as like medium level ability refs or knowledge. It gave us two pairs of eyes on the quaffle as well. Yes. And so another big point on that is I've been talking to like my partner who plays basketball and in basketball, they have two main refs and they're like co-refs and they're at each end of the pitch of the court. Um, and they do that because you just can't keep up with the play otherwise. And it gives them extra eyes. And so the proposal is why don't we have two HRs, which is just annoying with getting even more numbers, but yeah. And a contact HR because there's no one watching off ball contact, which is shit for wing players. I was going to make this really, really quick. So there's a position in the US called an LAR, which is a lead assistant referee. And that's pretty much what you're, what you're after. So like I did it at World Cup with uh, working with a US ref. Um, and it's just like, you're still kind of hanging out on the sideline. And like, I think it is important to have one referee just in terms of uh, like a figurehead who can control a game. Like you don't want to de- like diverge the power too much, but like that's just kind of my personal opinion. But the lead assistant referee can back you up in watching for off-ball contact or like backing up with a different angle or like if you can't get there and they can like filter comments from uh, the benches to the like the head referee as well. So I think that's probably like that system is fleshed out that that's maybe where we'd want to go rather than the second head referee. All right. Um, Maria, did you want to summarize for us, please? Um, so in summary, I feel kind of we all recognize that we it is always a really big struggle with having inexperienced or um, not super confident uh, refs, whether they're ARs or HRs, and we need to think about how we're going to support people to develop their confidence but also, like, make sure that they aren't knowing, like, they know the rules, they're making sure everyone is safe because that is their job. The job as a ref is to ensure that, like, the rules are played by and the rules are there to keep everyone safe and to make sure that we're not going to risk sending someone to the hospital. So um, we've considered a couple of models, the, the buddy system or having having support in some form, whether that is another HR or that's an experienced HR who's just kind of sitting there and letting you speak but is able to give you advice and feedback. Um, actually having practical testing in addition to any theory testing um, as a way of making sure that refs have an experience on the pitch and actually can run around and actually do what they're going to have to do in a real game. Um, Having more refs in general on a pitch, yes, that would be great, but comes with some problems. We need more people qualified. We need more people to be available on game days. Um, Kind of, yeah, keeping it clear that like what each ref's role actually is, making sure the snitch is only watching the snitch. That is their job. They're not watching anything else. Don't expect them to be watching anything else. Um, and kind of really refining what the expectations are for each ref and making sure that each person who is actually taking on those roles knows what they need to do and knows what they're there for. Um, yeah, I think that was kind of everything. Perfect.